Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. You know, I start every show since this year is the 30th anniversary of the signing of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Hello, Yoshiko Dart. Hello, hello. I wonder if you noticed that last evening that the former First Lady, Michelle Obama, said, vote as if your life depends upon it. Wow, Justin Dart, your husband, your late husband, that's who I thought of. Uh, We love you, Yoshika. Keep fighting the fight. Also, to my two friends, uh, Richard Roberts and Gangyang Cho, in respectively Okinawa and Seoul, South Korea, they are two international disability rights fighters with the State Department. I love them and keep fighting that fight. And guess what? In September, we are going to have a show from South Korea. How about that? Is that awesome? Also, hey, all of you listeners around the world, thank you so much. And number one is China. How about that? China, all of the countries, we think about you and this coronavirus and the people listening to the show, stay safe. Uh, You know what I always say, you know, I'm living with epilepsy and I always say a seizure here is a seizure anywhere in the world. So you are our brothers and sisters, and thank you so much for your support, which would not happen without our four-year lead sponsor, Highmark. Wow. Thank you so much. And this year, in addition, People's Natural Gas, Wells Fargo, Um, and employment options. All are sponsors. And you know what? That's what helps me help all of you. So thank you so very much. Well, we are going to have an absolute great show today because we have a celebrity, Ime Eloquiva, and you know our all-time star, Danielle Phillips who has been on before and who we all love. Uh, She is the Vice President of Operations for Sign Language Interpreters Professionals. You may have seen her many times on, in Allegheny County, the interpreter for the county executive, Rich Fitzgerald, and Ime Alaquiva the CEO of Yaman's House Incorporated. But hey, that's just like minor, minor stuff. (laughs) Minor. He is a celebrity. He's a celebrity. You know what I mean? Like an Emmy winner. He is a celebrity. And wow, my honor to have him on. I mean, I want all of you to know, look him up. You'll see what I mean. He is a celebrity, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. So, Ime, 
since I brought it up, absolutely. let's talk about your background. But you had an incredible rise to success all the way to an Emmy. So I know yeah. you grew up homeless. At some point in your life, you were homeless. Mm-hmm. Yes. How, yes, how did you grow up in the situation that would take you to be homeless? And yet, <laughs> what gave you the courage to overcome this? Yes. Which, wow, amazing. How about if you share yeah, that Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much for that, uh, Joyce. I am, because of so many great people around me, um, I, I can't take the credit. Um, I'm just a goofy guy in the circle, um, surrounded by you know some some great individuals that believed in me. Uh, but yeah, I was uh, uh, homeless um, around '99 to about you know 2001. Uh, you know, sometimes life gets in the way of living, and we uh, fail to realize the blessings that are right in front of us or right under our nose, um, and you know, some, a few things got in the way of living, uh, and it rendered me homeless on the streets of Pittsburgh, uh, you know, uh, sleeping on benches, um, you know, going to, uh, soup kitchens and things of that nature, uh, because it was a cross between, you know, sometimes, you know, society puts on men that, you know, we're supposed to be so strong and tough and he-man and Superman that sometimes we let pride get in the way of our mission and that pride got in the way of my mission of being the best that I could be in my early twenties. Um, and you know, uh, going, you know, through this for a year and a half, um, one day I was sitting on the, um, the gray wall across from the originals hot dog shop and I was sleeping there and two individuals came, you know, with fries as, as they would, you know, um, but as they began to eat their fries, I think they were unaware that I was there. And one of them turned around and spit on me. And, um, that was very, uh, traumatic for me. Um, and, you know, I thought to myself, you know, am I going to render myself someone who, you know, uh, it just sort of lays there and gets spit on or, or am I going to dig deep in with myself? Um, to recognize my potential. And that's when I went to a payphone and I called my mom and, you know, finally told her that I was, you know, been out on the streets and homeless, you know, and I put my pride down and said, Hey, listen, I want to change my life. And, you know, my mother's response was, why did it take you so long? Um, so I slept on my mother's couch and, um, I, uh, you know, uh, went out for a job at the post office because she worked at the post office. She got me a a job as a a temporary mailman. And that's when my whole life changed um, to sort of put uh, the pillars, the right pillars in my life to build a foundation um, to, you know, go to the next level and, and to recognize my potential. And I promised God at that point that if he helped me get back on my feet, I'll spend the rest of my life helping others get on theirs. That is an amazing story. You know, when I hear that and story. Actually, I've been working with you here for a, a couple of months, and I hadn't heard your story before. You just gave me chills. Thank you. Thank you. You know what? I hear that story, 
and I say, what is wrong with people? How could you go to such a low level that you would spit on a human being who is homeless? I mean, that is evil. That's terrible. But I want to tell you, I gave you, I give you credit that you got up and you said, I'm going to do something about this. I give you mm-hmm. so much yeah. credit for that. Um, yeah. And boy, you know what it's like for people that live in poverty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That That's why, you know, um, you know, a lot of individuals, they say, hey, you know, how can I help the homeless if I don't have any money, da-da-da. Sometimes a conversation, just literally walking up to them and, and, and asking their name and just trying to find some type of common ground could really revolutionize someone's spirit and could really change the trajectory of their soul if we just had a conversation. Uh, I've been called any and everything in the book um, while I was homeless, but, you know, it broke me, but it also, you know, I, you know sometimes when you're broken, we have to reach within ourselves to find those very pieces to put back together to build our foundation. So every piece that was broken inside of me, I literally found the glue in God to put that together to, to be my new foundation. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. What, what turned, like something, although you made this mm-hmm. great decision, something had to give you the courage and the strength to move forward. What was that? So, yeah, so that was recognizing and finding out that um, if we go through life thinking that we can do everything by ourselves, we will end up by ourselves. What we have to do internally and in our heart and in our soul is find who is a part of your ecosystem of your mission, um, we can't do everything by ourselves. And that's what I thought a year and a half for, uh, of being homeless. I thought I could do everything by myself. I thought it was big and bad. You know, when I would see people, you know, who would see me on the streets, Hey, Emei, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing fine. When really I wasn't fine. I wasn't great. So I literally had to put that aside to say, I am not okay but I'm okay with not being okay because I know that I could do better. And the, the way that we could do better um, as individuals is to find uh, solidarity in others to wrap around you and to orbit around whatever that you're going through. And being in your early 20s, that's not the end of the world. That's just the end of the world that you thought was there. But you can create a totally different world. So that's what triggered in me in every day that I would deliver mail as I would put mail into a slot as a, as a casual temporary postman, I would dream of what it be like, what it would be like to own a home, what it would be like to be married, what it would like to be a father. And I would just have those dreams with this mail. And I totally came up with a whole strategy on, hey, listen, if I make this move and I make that move, maybe this will happen. And I created a plan A. I didn't focus on plan B. I didn't focus on plan C. Because sometimes when you put equity into investing in plan B and C, you take away from the time you need to put in A. 
So I focused and built A, um, opened a recording studio out of 300 square feet of space. Um, I slept in it for six months, got a job um, at Whammo as the production director. Um, then from the production director, I opened a recording studio, um, opened a nonprofit arts education program, uh, hired my first employee in 2005, who's still with us uh, 15 years later, and just really built uh, something from other great individuals. And uh, now we sit on a conglomerate of three entities that's all because of great people and not just me. Wow. That is some story. I have to ask you one last question. You know, when you're saying you did these things, was there a person that helped you cross that bridge? You know, when you Mm -hmm. were having that dream about the recording studio, was there a person? Absolutely. Yes. Who was that? There are several. Yeah, there are several individuals. um, And I look at my life as... um, Sometimes, like, I like to do a lot of things in metaphorical senses and constructs. So when I look at my life, I like to look at the individuals around me as a board of directors. So um, the, uh, my, my board chair is my mother, who was the Harriet Tubman of my life. If she wouldn't have picked up the phone and said, you know what, why did it take you so long? You can sleep on the couch until you get yourself together. I would not be where I am today. So I owe it to my mother um, for being my rock and my foundation. So she's the board of my directors. Um, then you have Chris Moore, um, who, you know, took on that, uh, that fatherly role and that mentor role to help me recognize the potential of my gift. And once you develop your gift, what good is a gift if you do not share it? I learned that from uh, Chris Moore, um, who's been, uh, um, you know, on PBS for close to 40 years um, and works at KDK and and also WPXI. Then you have individuals like Justin Strong, who who is the owner and operator of the Shadow Lounge. Uh, Justin Strong gave me my first job after being homeless, sweeping the floors and uh, cleaning the bathrooms at the Shadow Lounge in East Liberty. So he gave me that sense of pride, like, hey, listen, you can do something, regardless if you're cleaning the bathrooms or sweeping the cigarette butts outside. If you do your job with the passion and love, I don't care what it is that you do, you will find beauty in that movement. So I found a beauty in that movement and I found purpose in in cleaning those bathrooms. And it turned in to what I needed to know and what I needed to appreciate in order to know the potential of my future. Um, so those are just three individuals that really helped me uh, be the man that I am today, and I'm grateful. Well, I, you are just an incredible, you're a movie. You know that? You're a movie in the making. Um, <laughs> I think I'm we all skip- are. We all are. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to skip over to Danielle for a minute. So, Danielle, how did you meet Amay and become so involved uh, actually promoting him to other people? Yeah, absolutely. So, Amy Crawford, uh, one of the other co-producers on the project here, Unspeakable, uh, she and Amay 
have a connection. And so Amy reached out to me when she uh, heard about the work that Amay was doing on Unspeakable. And knowing its mission and knowing my perspective and feelings around how to how I could be a part of the Black Lives Matter movement, she said, Danielle, you need to be involved here. So we had a Zoom call late one afternoon, and I tell you, the rest of that week, <laughs> pulling everything together was a whirlwind. Um, I just mentioned that I had never heard Emma's story. You know, we, he and I have not really, unfortunately, had time to to connect on a personal level. And uh, as you just said, Joyce, I'm thinking, wow, he's he's a movie in and of himself. Um, but it, it definitely a person that I am grateful to have in my life now and is doing such awesome work for the deaf community that I uh, needed to make sure that others knew about him and the work that he's doing. And I'm so glad that you took the time to have us on here today. Well, uh, Danielle, since there are people across the country, not just in Pennsylvania, uh, but around the world for that matter, as I introduced you, they may not understand your role or your company, what you do. Would you mind explaining that to everyone? Sure, of course. So I'm Danielle Phillip, as Joyce said. I'm Vice President of Operations for Sign Language Interpreting Professionals. It is a family business. It was founded by my mother in 2003. And SLIP, as we call it, provides reliable, consistent, and professional sign language interpreters to the deaf community, focusing on the Pittsburgh area, but we serve all of Western Pennsylvania. And given COVID-19 and now providing remote services on a much larger scale than we ever did in the past, we are able to service the needs of deaf professionals across the nation. Wow. And let me just tell everyone, she is phenomenal. The best of the best. I love her. And you know what? So talented. I would recommend her to everyone. Um, Moving back, you mentioned mentioned Unspeakable. Um, Ime, let's hear what Unspeakable is and also what caused you to create it. Absolutely. So Unspeakable um, is uh, just, you know, just a little bit of backstory to, uh, to, to sort of moonwalk. Two years ago, uh, when my daughter was six, um, as a father, I wanted to uh, find and discover an activity that knocked down the superiority-inferiority complex that's often associated with parenting. I wanted to do an activity where we were on the same even playing field, and we discovered ASL. And when we discovered ASL, um, uh, I knew of Amy uh, from just you know being around the city of Pittsburgh. But uh, we picked up the phone and called Amy Crawford to say, "Hey, listen, we would like to do um, uh, uh, have ASL lessons." Um, and she said, "Sure, no problem." So we started ASL lessons, um, and it was transformative. Um, it, it improved my patience as a father. Um, it improved on our love relationship and just having something that belonged to us. And it was just amazing uh, how Michaela 
gravitated toward um, Amy Crawford just as a mentor and just discovering something. And it was great for both of us. And fast forward, uh, I was covering the protests and, you know, kind of a lot of the things that were going on with the Black Lives Matter movement um, with the unfortunate demise of, of, of George Floyd. And uh, when I would come home with this photography and the cinematography, she began to notice, she said, hey, Dad, you know, I, you know, I love this photography in a sense, uh, but, you know, there's no one doing ASL in any of the photos or the video protest videos. And I was just like, wow, you're absolutely right. And here she is, eight years old, and recognizing that there's something's missing. So, um, you know, that night, you know, I couldn't sleep. So around two in the morning, I just literally grabbed my iPhone and started writing the script for um, at then Unspoken. Um, which later became uh, unspeakable with the the the, uh, the great script consulting from uh, uh, Danielle, Amy, and, and Greg. Um, and when I began to write, I wanted to use those metaphoric phrases and those key phrases like unspeakable time or uh, scream the words or uh, not be muted or speak truth to power. Um, or forge ahead uh, with our voice to breathe. And all these little nuances that were in the language that if it wasn't for Amy, Danielle, and Greg to really say, hey, listen, how about we move a, a few things here? Or how about we do this? And the script just came to life because of, of our collaboration. So unspeakable, though, this is Danielle here, Joyce. Yes. So unspeakable, though, is a public service announcement charged with bringing awareness to the voices of the deaf community and their support of the Black Lives Matter movement. And as M.A. was just describing there, um, he created the script and uh, asked for the assistance in making his script written in English, translated over into ASL, and then recruiting the actors for the work. So, uh, Greg Pollock is the Greg that he mentions, and Greg Pollock and Amy Crawford and I work together to seek out diverse deaf individuals from the Pittsburgh community to be involved and to be the actors in this public service announcement. It was an honor to reach out to these people and say, hey, would you like to be featured? And uh, uh, so far, the reach has been wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yes, the reach has been uh, super duper wonderful. As a matter of fact, when we released on July 15th, we got close to 30,000 hits within 24 hours of releasing uh, the PSA. And it just grew and grew and grew. And the impressions are now uh, well into the millions uh, with um, deaf organizations from all over the country um, reaching out and finding partnerships and uh, print, television, magazine. Um, it, it's just been really, really amazing um, to really amplify voices. And I did see it, and it is excellent. I mean, excellent. And I would encourage everyone to see this. Where do they go, Ime, to see the uh, video? Just to YouTube? Um, actually, yes. Um, uh, 
Danielle and me and the team, we created a website called unspeakableblm.org where we have a landing site uh, where individuals could learn about lots of resources uh, relating to uh, deaf, hard of hearing, and those with disabilities, and they can watch the video there. Um, they could also watch on YouTube. Um, we are, um, it's on Instagram, it's on all social media platforms as well. And also, if you were to Google Black Deaf Lives Matter, uh, Unspeakable is the very first, um, very first to come up, which wow. was pretty cool. <laughs> wow, unspeakable. BLM is, cool. is it dot com? Did uh, you say dot com org. or dot org? Pardon me. What did you mm-hmm. say? Unspeakable BLM dot org. Okay, dot org. Yeah, BLM, mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well everyone go see that. It is outstanding. But right now, It's time for our news break with our great newscaster, Perry Jude Radisic, the CEO of Disability Rights of Pennsylvania, who for the past several years, every day on the half hour, brings news to the whole disability community at large in the country and does a phenomenal job. And Perry Jude, welcome. Joyce, uh, thanks for having me. And boy, it's uh, it's a time to pay attention to politics. It's the Democratic and Republican National Conventions. So for the next two weeks, our attention turns to the National Conventions. And these party conventions happen every four years in advance of our presidential election. Here it comes. It's November, very soon. So the conventions are a time to rally support for the parties, the presidential and vice presidential nominee, at least in the case of the Democratic Party. It rallies support for down-ballot candidates. And by that, we mean the senators, the, the representatives, the state party uh, candidates, We also get a chance to look at the rising stars in in the Democratic and Republican parties, and we get a chance to see the differences between the vision and the policies between the Democratic and Republican parties. Where do they want to lead the country? Where are they on uh, the issues related to disability, uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, and other civil rights issues? So for those of us who have acted to advance civil rights right now and in the past, it really is a chance for us to monitor the progress of civil rights as we watch the conventions. How are we included? How are they talking about Black Lives Matter? Are they including the LGBT community, people with disabilities in their images and in their messaging? So who's up first? Well, it's the Democratic Convention, and it's happening right now. It's happening this week. And in fact, right now, until 4 o'clock, there is a disability caucus of the Democratic Party. And right after you're done listening to Disability Matters, you can hop on over uh, to the 
to www.demconvention.com, go find the link, and you can watch the rest of the Disability Caucus until 4 o'clock uh, this afternoon. And, of course, if you go to disabilityrightspa.org, we have all of the links for you. So these events are virtual, and they're open to the public. Because of COVID-19, no one could go to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and participate uh, together in the convention because of COVID. So everything is virtual. It's online. And the great thing is it's accessible to all of us. So you can, uh, again, uh, go to uh, the convention site uh, for the Democratic Party, uh, sign up to be a part of the caucuses and other events throughout the week. So let's talk about next week. The Republicans were supposed to meet in Charlotte. They're still going to have activities going on in Charlotte, North Carolina. So at this time, the Republican convention has not made public any virtual links. But I still have a link for you to go to. It's the Republican website for the convention so that we can all stay up to date on all of the RNC activities taking place. So it's important that we hear from the GOP and the convention and see what the activities are going to be like uh, next week. Advocacy matters. It's important, number one, we all make a plan to vote and implement that plan. And number two, it's important that we make a plan to stay informed and learn about the candidates who are on the ballot for us uh, as voters. So that's Advocacy Matters for today, Joyce. You know what? And I just want to say, you know, November 3rd is the presidential election, and you've got to get registered now if you're doing a mail-in vote and not let time pass, especially what's going on uh, with the mailing. But, you know, last night, uh, Michelle Obama said, vote as if your life depends upon it. And as I said earlier in the show, Justin Dart said that all the time. Vote as if your life depends upon it because it probably does. So you've got to vote. You've got to get out and vote. You've got to vote. You've got to vote. November 3rd is the presidential election. And thank you so much, Perry. Uh, We will look forward to talking to you next week. Absolutely, Joyce. Take care. I just wanted to go back for a minute. Amay, I forgot to ask you this, but why don't you tell our listeners why you became so involved in the deaf community and about your daughter? Yes. Um, So my daughter, sort of picking up um, from where um, I I left off, my daughter realized that there was a sector of individuals that were missing out of my work. So as I wrote uh, the script, I called the next morning, I called Amy Crawford, who then called uh, Danielle and and Greg. And we went out um, to Black Lives Matter rallies and we shot uh, for four days with some amazing individuals. Um, uh, They were just absolutely incredible and uh, we made sure it was very diverse. So we had representation, uh, you know, uh, Brazilian, Asian, uh, Indian, African-American, uh, biracial, you name it. We had that representation in there. 
And, you know, as I began to edit, I was going to keep things in color, but I said, no, how about we just, you know, have a glaze of, of, uh, you know, make sure it's in black and white. And then uh, I made a phone call to two musicians, Bianca uh, Blush Atterbury is a writer for Disney right now. Um, and then the producer of the music, the composer of the music, Butter Anderson, um, does all the music for Raven's Home. He did all the music for Proud Family. Uh, he's produced for Dr. Dre. He's a multi-platinum producer um, um, out of uh, North Carolina. And when I sent him the first cut, um, we went back and forth maybe about three or four times because I wanted to make sure that the feeling and the music was right. Because at first, initially, I was not going to have any music in it at all because I wanted people to sort of feel um, that. But what we heard from a deaf person is that uh, there are dancers that feel the rhythm of music in order to dance and express themselves. So they said, no, 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 no put music in it. <laughs> so that's when we said, okay, cool. So we're on the right track there. And when Butter Anderson and Bianca, you know, put the singing and the music together, it was just, it, it gave me goosebumps um, as I was editing this piece. And it really underscores how when individuals like Danielle, uh, Greg, Amy, uh, Sydney Cooper, Jack Orman, Butter Anderson, Bianca Atterbury, and so many other individuals. We are good individually, but we are always better together. And that's what Unspeakable is about. It's about creating the web that works when the silk connects. And I just want to be able to focus on being better silk for other people. Yeah, well, how awesome. You know, um, in D.C., there was a peaceful march. And I am all about uh, civil protest, you know, the Martin Luther King Jr. type of protest, because that's our right. That's what makes America great. And this was a group of disabled people with signs saying, Black Disabled Lives Matter. And it was so powerful, you know, seeing them march. Now, your daughter is deaf, correct? So my daughter is not deaf. She's of hearing. Um, we just took ASL classes in order to improve on our relationship as a father and daughter. Wow. So your daughter is not deaf. No, my, my daughter is not deaf. Um, um, well, that you know, makes this even as, more powerful. Yeah, because as mentioned, you know, we wanted to create something where, you know, some people may choose painting, some people may choose, uh, you know, uh, sports or bike riding. Uh, ASL allowed us to be on the same level at the same time so that I wasn't, you know, the the big bad dad and, you know, she wasn't sort of like, you know, the, the kid. So we learned together. So when we learned what our name was, it was, it was amazing that we took this journey together on the same level, and that's what it was all about. So that's why ASL is so important to Michaela, um, and that's why it was important for Michaela to mention that there's no one doing ASL at these protests. 
So that's really what put the fire um, under this oven in order to cook up something like Unspeakable. Oh, that is amazing. That is really amazing. What a great little girl she is. Wow. She's amazing. That is something. Yeah, she's amazing. (laughs) So, Danielle, when you met them and you heard about all of this, what did you think? Well, I think it's absolutely fantastic to have a person who, you know, my grandparents are deaf, right? So I was born into the deaf community. I was born into sign language. I don't ever remember learning the language. And so for me, it's part of who I am. And of course, I advocate for the deaf community any chance I get. You know that, Joyce. But when I met M.A. and heard how this all came to be and how he learned sign language with his daughter, it to me, I was like, wow, this is fantastic. This is why I do what I do and why I tell people about the Basic Right of Communication Access every day so that if it sticks with one person, that maybe they can help to spread the word. And, and I love the analogy that Amay just used about being the web and if he can be the silk to bring people together. That analogy to me was beautiful. And, and so knowing that somebody from outside the community gets it, I wanted him to be part of my web. And Amay, I hope you don't mind that I might start using that analogy here. <laughs> please, please. Web, webs work when the silk connects. I mean, that's just what it is. Yeah. It is what it is. <laughs> yes, indeed. That is an absolutely, uh, I mean, I am just so impressed. This is such a great story. If you're listening right now, you have got to tell everyone you know about this podcast. All you have to do is go to Apple or Spotify and subscribe to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender, and you'll be able to hear this show. So please share this with everyone because uh, this story is just so awesome. Now, Ime, you have done so much. Like, I don't know where to start, uh, <laughs> but but I'll start with uh, Yo Mama, Yo Mom's House, and move yeah. on to Hip Hop on Lock. So let's start yes. with the first. So, yes. So Yo Mom's House... Um, uh, when I was a, a um, you know younger, growing up uh, as a teenager, my mother, who worked two jobs, two and three jobs, in order to make ends meet, uh, we really didn't have enough um, for her to buy equipment for me. So what I started to do is go out and cut grass in the summer, and I would shovel snow in the winter, and I saved a bunch of money to get equipment for my room in my bedroom. And when the community started to find out, oh, um, Ime has, you know, uh, some equipment, maybe we can create music. People started to come over my house and it became like almost like a safe haven for a lot of the um, kids in the neighborhood. And, uh, you know, people would make this running joke like, hey, you know, this was the, the, the era of landlines, like, hey, I'm trying to come to your mom's house. I'm, I'm trying to come to your mom's house and create. And, you know, it became sort of this joke that turned into actually this real thing, like, like hey, listen, people feel safe uh, at my mom's house. Um, and then going through my life's lessons and the navigation of life's difficulties and adversity, I manufactured that adversity to say, hey, listen, 
um, I wanted to do a studio one day uh, because music was very much a part of my life. So while working at the Shadow Lounge, one day Justin Strong said, hey, Imei, can this mail has been delivered to us and it's supposed to go upstairs. Could you take this upstairs? I said, sure, Justin, where's the mail? Here's the mail. I took that mail up 28 flights of steps to the second floor and there was a door that I looked at in which some of the pieces of mail should go in and it looked like a mail, uh, a door from the old Welcome Back Carter television show. I'm showing my age. So as I opened the mail slot to put this mail in, I seen an empty room and something came over me when I opened that mail slot and saw the room. It was almost, I literally with my head furnished the whole entire room and it was empty. So when I put the mail in, I said, hmm, what if I were to put some music equipment in this room that was only about 300 square feet? So I called the realtor and said, hey, listen, you know, I've been down on my luck. Boom, boom. I'd love to get upstairs. They gave me a chance. Um, get, uh, I started to build a bunch of equipment there to create your mom's house and for others in the community to be able to come and create. So your mom's house officially started October 2001. I began to sort of take, take, take from the community without putting back into the community. So I said, what could I do and what could I create? So I co-founder Hip Hop Unlocked. L-O-C-K stands for Leadership Development, Organizational Skills, Cooperative Economics, and Knowledge of the Music Business. It is a full-blown media arts education program that employs hip hop as a tool <laughs> to educate and empower kids kindergarten to 12th grade. And when I started Hip Hop Unlock um, in 2007, we started with 16 students to now over 5,000 students throughout oh Western my Pennsylvania. God. Wow. In 11 school districts and over 48 partnerships um, through Western Pennsylvania. That Joyce, is I'm thinking amazing. of a connection for your Leadership Academy here, Thunder Leadership yeah. Academy and Hip Hop Unlock. That would. Think about yeah. all of the stuff that could be done to reduce bullying in the schools. Oh, the opportunities Absolutely. there. Yes, I have Absolutely. a not-for-profit, the Bender Leadership Academy. I did volunteer mm-hmm. work for 20 years teaching high school students with disabilities about the world of work and how to fight bullying. And mm-hmm. um, kids with disabilities are bullied more than any other group. So, yeah, we'll have mm, to connect absolutely. about this. I just want to tell you, I'm so impressed with what you've done. No, thank you. I thank mean, you. I, a- I could only do this with uh, with great people um, around me and, um, you know, recognizing that, you know, we, we all need each other. You know, um, you know, we're always better together. That's what I keep telling myself. Yeah. Well, you know, as we're talking about this, how about the Emmy? How about that? Um, I I just look at the Emmy as uh, some extra added furniture. Um, You know, uh, it's great to be recognized, you know, um, amongst your peers and in the work that it is that you do. Um, But, you know, what matters is the impact. Um, uh, I won uh, my first Emmy uh, for some work that I did with Chris Moore. 
and uh, and Olga George, um, who was at WQED and PBS at the time, and we did. Uh, I did the compose the music for um, uh, in the in uh, a documentary, a film on the Tuskegee Airmen um, mm-hmm. of Western Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And that was produced by Olga George. It was absolutely amazing to be able to work on that uh, particular project. I remember when Olga first approached me about it and said, hey, listen, you know, do you think you could uh, put together some music for this, uh, this film I got coming up? And here, I'm, here I am terrified, you know, not knowing that I, if I could do it or not me sitting there, you know, telling her, oh, yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we'll be able to do this. Meanwhile, I'm terrified on the other side. Um, but I, I really uh, went within myself and um, connected with some great individuals like Sean Jones, Coulter Harper, Howie Alexander, uh, Bianca Atterbury, um, who's on Unspeakable. That's the first project that I worked with her on back in 2008. And, um, and to learn, we, uh, we, we won an Emmy for, uh, that work in that film, uh, just proved to be just, just, it was amazing. Um, and, uh, this year we're nominated for three Emmys, um, uh, this year for some work that we've done with boys and girls club nationally, uh, uh a film, um, I directed for, uh, Joe Negri, who was the guitarist on, um, yeah. Uh, Mr. Rogers. I remember and, him. Uh, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. um, we also um, worked on some work with Jay-Z and Rock Nation. Um, so we're just really blessed to have the team that we have. If it wasn't for Sidney Cooper, if it wasn't for Jack Orman, Matt Metrovich, um, and the rest of our team, we would not be where we are today. And we're eternally grateful for that and, and look forward to going into the future. Well, you know what? You are a very humble person. That's what makes you so special. But, like, I think it's pretty impressive to win Emmys. What do you think, Danielle? Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, that is pretty impressive. Hey, Danielle, I wanted to ask you, uh, as we are coming close to the end of the show, I'm going to ask both of you this. Um, I'm going to ask you first, Danielle, how do you see Black Lives Matter connected with the deaf community? So when you say Black Lives Matter connected with the deaf community, I I think initially my gut goes to the fact that the police and their use of force uh, right here, that's the root of the problem, that we need to make sure our police are educated and understand the diversity of the communities that they are working with, that they, all, of, all of the people that they're out there keeping safe are not the same, and that we need to make sure that they understand the diversity. Uh, I think the work that I've been able to be involved with with MA on Unspeakable this PSA is going to help bring awareness to the rights of the deaf community. And if police forces can have sensitivity trainings and be more aware of individuals, I've heard stories of deaf people who have been pulled over for simple traffic stops and not heard the command to have their hands on the steering wheel and have unfortunately been pulled from their vehicles using force simply because they were deaf, because they couldn't hear. I think that 
Black Lives Matter is, and the unfortunate loss of life uh, that has brought about this movement is really something that is going to help all minority communities who are experiencing these situations where power is being used unnecessarily and force is being used unnecessarily. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very hopeful uh, and that I can continue to be involved here locally. I've done some presentations for different precincts of officers wanting to learn American Sign Language, and I would love to do more to help give them introductions to the community so they can be more aware. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you completely uh, on what you've just said, because people who are deaf, you know, a policeman can say something. Now, let's add being black. This is like double jeopardy. So, you know, you could go up right. to someone, they're not responding. And the reason is because they're deaf. What about you, Ime? How have you been involved in Black Lives Matter? Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, Paul Roberson said it best. Uh, artists are the gatekeepers of truth. Um, if it wasn't for the inclusion of the arts to be able to crystallize and fossilize these movements, um, you know, where would we be? And, you know, being of African descent, um, we understand that all lives matter. We get that. Uh, but if all lives matter, then black lives have to matter, too. And when we talk about uh, being, knowing the difference between, uh, uh, you know, allyship, um, we have to understand that if we have the ability to amplify the voice of those who are next to us, who are, you know, uh, overlooked often, why can't I take my influence um, to say, hey, listen, don't forget about my friend. Don't forget about my neighbor. Um, and that's why, you know, we took our allyship to say, hey, listen, there's no one in my family that's deaf. Uh, my daughter's not deaf. I'm not deaf. But that doesn't mean that we can't uh, manufacture our influence to make sure that we amplify the voices of others. And when you think of uh, black deaf lives mattering as well. They do. And if you think about, um, uh, I'll use my wife as an example. My wife uh, has um, bipolar disorder, which is a disability. And I used photography on how to deal with what she was going through with her bipolar disorder. And, you know, if I could do that for her and see how she could go from level zero to level 10 in a matter of two years, um, and this is from failed suicide attempts and things of that nature, if that made me better and made her better, then I need to spend, uh, like I mentioned before, the rest of my life making sure that others get on their, their feet. And relating to what Danielle said, you know, it's an estimate that one-third to one-half of those who are killed by police have disabilities. Eric Gardner. Freddie Gray, Sandra Bland, they all had disabilities. And if we could restructure what it looks like to show someone a different language that could really help to break down that uh, systematic structure of what policing is, I think we could really change our communities for the better. 
Um, and my last point is that ever since we released Unspeakable, I've been on the phone almost daily with philanthropic organizations, uh, corporations alike, who are starting to change the way they do uh, business and the way they change their culture because of Unspeakable. There are corporations that are changing their website to become 508 compliant, changing their uh, th- what they do in their meetings to make sure that there's an interpreter that's there, um, and changing the way we look at uh, those who are deaf, hard of hearing, or those with disabilities. Just because they have a disability doesn't mean that they don't have the ability to change the world. Oh, that is so true. Before we end, which we're going to end in a few minutes, a few, like one minute, uh, Ime, I want to have you and Daniel back on next year. Danielle, you know why? I know you will do something spectacular by then. You're just like an amazing person. So we're going to have him back. Listen, everyone, remember what I said. Subscribe to the show. Disability Matters with Joyce Bender on voiceamerica.com and share the podcast. Tell everyone about this show. It is and has been so phenomenal. So we end every show with a quote, and oh my goodness, this is perfect for our discussion today because a new friend of mine, Reverend Dr. William Barber, the head of the Poor People's Campaign, said... Oh, there's a power when those who have known rejection come together. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Join us next week when we talk to Sarah Oliver Carter from Duquesne Light about Black Lives Matter. Talk to you then. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. We are the leader in live Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. 